Welcome back to another episode of the Banter Podcast. Today, we are joined by Neil deGrasse Tyson. Why'd you say it like that? <laughs> Neil, how are you? <laughs> Perfect. Well, with an introduction like that, with that power of wording, I need confetti or something, you know. Oh, don't worry, we'll edit it in. Yeah, yeah exactly. Neil, for the people that don't know who you are, uh, because we have a pretty young audience, how would you describe yourself as like an elevator pitch for Neil? I would say I am uh, insatiably curious to discover all things cosmic and share them with whoever will listen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's awesome. What the heck? That's no, such a cooler but, description. That's, that's, that sounds epic. <laughs> yeah, <that's... laughs> so if you're so insatiable, are we in a simulation? So that's a, an important question. I have a good reason think we're not, or to reduce the likelihood that we would be. And if you want me to spend a minute saying so, I'd be happy to do so. Are you, you ready to listen for that? I'm ready. Oh, we're ready to listen. Okay. We're hunkered. Yeah. We're, yeah. So the argument that we're in a simulation, it traces back a few years now. Um, and the it, it has to do with, so imagine a civilization that uh, that has enough computing power to create a whole world inside the computer on a level of detail where everyone in the computer thinks they have free will, okay? And so how would you know if you're not one of them, right? So now take that little universe you created and they evolve and then they develop computing and then they said, oh, we're bored, let's make video games and create a universe within our computer. So if this just continues, then it's simulations all the way down. Yeah, so your argument would be then, in this oh, wait, wait, case... So here's my point. So we have okay, yeah. 999 simulations and the one real place that started it. So if you close your eyes and throw a dart, we're probably in a simulation, would be the argument. But I'm, here's a, the out on that, which is we don't yet know how to create a perfect simulation. Yeah. Okay. No one is thinking that Mario has free will, okay? <laughs> Definitely not. Man's saving the same princess over and over. <laughs> Nobody's thinking that. So we're not there yet. So what that says is, of the 999 simulations, we can't be 998 of them because 998 and 998 of them know how to make a perfect simulation. So we're either the last one that's still evolving to figure out how to make a perfect simulation, or we're the first one that's real, which hasn't gotten to the first simulation yet. So instead of it being 999 to one that we are simulated, uh -huh. it's, it's, I think it's down to one and two. It's you or okay. the last one. That's my- that, I ca You know what, I'm gonna take, I'll, I'll ch if, if I get to choose, I'm picking we're not a simulation. Okay. <laughs> Rather than a simulation, 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 simulation. Oh, my gosh. That is You wow. know what's interesting about that? Go ahead. I feel like even if I was in a simulation, like, to me, it's real. So, like, I feel like I wouldn't even be, like, upset by it. If that sounds – I don't know if that's, like, a weird thought. But, like, I would be like, okay. Well, some people would be upset because they, they, they want to – some people have belief systems that – where it would very much dis destabilize their sense of self. Mm. All right. They want, they want mm. to believe they have free will and that, that the free will is real. They want to believe that 
Oh, by the way, by the way, if you look at some religions that have, well, most religions have sort of creation stories that are part of it, um, one could make a religion out of this. The creation is some other, <laughs> it's some, it's some <laughs> geeky kid in an alien yeah. basement. That's just scratching <laughs> his stomach, eating an alien hot pocket. Eating alien popcorn, and they <laughs> are our Lord thy God, right? Because uh, they created everything uh, and all the rules and all the laws of physics and everything else. So, um, in fact, there, there are, there, there is a branch, there is a religious branch that doesn't do that, but they, they, they feel quite sure that our creator is an alien species that, and they, they're called the ray aliens. I think I'm getting this right. And they live in the Pleiades star cluster and we are in their image and that we were created by them. If you didn't get it right, we have a really big ray alien uh, audience that'll be very upset. Okay. <laughs> they're gonna, they're come, gonna come get you. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I tried. I, I gave him a shout out. That's gotta be good. <laughs> shout, out, <laughs> shout out to the Ray Aliens listening in. <laughs> um, so I guess my question is, you, you said that that would, uh, if, if people found out that we were in a simulation, you think that that would bring up like an uproar of people being worried about like their sense of self and they'd kind of lose Yeah, for their many, sense of maybe self. not all, but uh -huh. I, I asked myself, was, is that any different from when Galileo showed through his telescope, they were not the center of all motion. Mm. And, oh, th and this was deeply held, especially you can't read biblical Genesis without thinking that what's being described is earth being the center of everything. And so if that's your religion and God wrote it and Moses wrote it and, and it's formed by God and it's this book, it's a holy book, it's been around for thousands of years. And, and here's a little two lenses showing you that Jupiter has moons that orbit it. Venus goes through phases, uh, which can only happen if it goes around the sun and not around us. Uh, there's weird things that it shows you. And that was destable. It's like, oh my gosh, everything we thought was true, everything we valued has to be readjusted. And of course, religious institutions are huge, so they're not going to just disband overnight on this information. So they do their best to first fight it, but mm -hmm. then absorb it. There's an, old, there's an old saying, every great scientific truth goes through three phases. First, people deny it. Then they say it conflicts with their religion. And third, they say they've known it all along. <laughs> That's awesome. So maybe <laughs> that we're in a simulation will go through those three truths. Yeah, oh man, I hope not. You said that um, people, if, if we're in a simulation, people's free will is that they're kind of worried about it not being theirs. Do you not think in a simulation people can still have free will given that, that you know, computers can handle randomness and make people, you know, make things happen that aren't necessarily predetermined? Yeah, so I guess, so let me put it another way. So that's an important comment. So you can put a, a random number generator in your decision making that will give the illusion that you have free will. Yes. But they, at the end of the day, someone programmed in your illusion that you have free will. So it gets right. very meta, right? Uh, you're, you're, you think you have free will because I granted you that power to think you have free will. Uh, but in fact, you, it's drawn from this random number generator. Like it's, it appears random to humans, but it's not. But then we also have random number generators that can be based off... Um, actually, I'm not sure. It's kind of based off, I think, radioactive particles and atoms or like you can put a yeah. camera in complete darkness and boost up the the lightness factor and you can see the little particles moving around and you can get stuff based off that but then i guess that would assume that there's a reality outside of the simulation that it's basing it off correct in fact the the fact that you have 
by the way, the radioactivity, so the decay of particles, which is random, it's, it's as random a thing as we have seen within the, within the decay life cycle of the particle. So within the half-life, all right, there's a random decay around that half-life. And so if you try to get an authentic random number based on that, that would be better than the pseudo-random numbers that you would program in that use formulas, okay? So, but pseudo-random numbers are good for most things, but if you want to really be absolute, you got to go the, the, this, this decay feature. But somebody had to program in that the particle decays at all, <laughs> okay? That's, <laughs> this is a feature of the universe that the snot-nosed alien in the basement put in. So you That's can't it's keep going level, going level and level and level. But let's get an actual random number from this decaying particle. You can't say that. Oh, I hate I hate that kid that programmed this. <laughs> but but, but, but uh, the fun part of a, of a of a simulation is, of course, the, the people did a calculation, say how much computing power would it take to simulate the entire universe, and mm -hmm. that's not what you need. You just need enough power to simulate the universe that happens to be in front of sentient beings. Right. It's like a game. You don't have to load the bit behind them. You don't have to load the bit. Be the, where I'm not looking at it, there, there's nothing there. Until I pull up a mirror, then you, you quickly render that, right? So suppose I'm digging in the earth. You don't have to put earth beyond the tip of my shovel, okay? Yeah. And so wow. my shovel goes down, throw in another layer. Throw in the mantle, throw in the this. Uh, where are you in the Pacific Northwest? Well, throw in the magma, whatever, wherever the super volcano is. So you throw that in and you build it only where there's a sentient being. And that greatly improves the, the ability to render the universe uh, in, 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 at the rate at which someone might be exploring it. <laughs> You're blowing my mind. <laughs> uh, oh, by uh, the way, I, part of me thinks, uh, is there anything we can measure... By the way, uh, uh, gamma rays are very high energy uh, 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 light that comes from mysterious places in the universe. And yeah. the energy of gamma rays drops off smoothly. And then there's a point where it drops off abruptly. And we don't know the mechanism that makes it, but most things in the universe don't have abrupt drop-offs. They sort of smoothly drop off depending on what's making the phenomenon. And so it's been suggested by some highly creative people that maybe this drop off. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. is the edge of the universe in, in, the, in, the, in the following sense. Not the edge of the universe, but you can't program infinity into a computer. Yeah. So you just put Whoa. some limits there. They'll never get there. Let's just put <laughs> okay. They'll never find it. So they put in this limit, and then we develop telescopes, and we discover the electromagnetic spectrum, and we find gamma rays. We find gamma ray detectors, and we probe a gamma ray spectrum out, and we find a point where there are no more gamma rays. Okay. What's going on? Did we find the edge of the programmer's parameters? Just like, like in the Truman Show, where he goes out in his boat and he comes out to the to the you know to the mm. to the sky and he knocks on the on the wall. Okay, yep. 
but from where he was, it looks like it's just the sky. Yeah. That, that's wow. a, that would be an interesting uh, state to exist in because it would imply that, yes, someone is controlling all of this. So do you think that there's a section of the cycle for these simulations that they become self-aware that it is a simulation before making the next simulation? Or... Oh, that's an interesting point. Uh, can you become self-aware that you're in a simulation by means other than what I just described? I don't know. Because yeah. then it's not a, if you're simulating it, you don't give people the ability to go find out who's simulating it. I mean, that's, that would ruin the whole thing, right? Then the, the jig is up. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> okay. Wow. Right. Um, then, then something that I'd want to go to then, just to go back to uh, your sense of self. We're talking about senses of self and like how people might, theirs might deteriorate based off of finding out that they're in a simulation. Where do you ground your sense of self? Because I, I feel like you know much more about the universe than probably anybody else on the Yeah, planet. well, so uh, that relates to consciousness, of course, which, okay. um, by the way, the more that's written on a subject, <laughs> uh, it's it evidence that we know very little about it, okay? That's the opposite of what you might otherwise think. So if you go to the bookstore and you say, where are your books on consciousness? And there'll be shelf upon shelf upon shelves. Mm -hmm. of books on consciousness. Yeah. See, where are the books on gravity? Then there'd be like two books. <laughs> okay? Yeah, we get it. We, get we it. got it. We moved on <laughs> on to the next problem. So the fact that people are still tackling this fascinating challenge is evidence that we're not really there yet. But I can't tell you how often I wake up and I say, am I still me today or am I someone else? And I look at people that, that I walk past in the street and I say, why am I me and not them? What makes them them and me me? And, and so I, I think about this more than I probably should because <laughs> it's, it's a little, it's a little um, destabilizing. And what accounts for the persistence of me in every morning that I wake up and I'm me? And yeah. if I were not me, if I were someone else, would I even know that? Or is my memory of who I am just whoever I am in the self that I wake up in at the time I do so. Which would mean you could be waking up as a different person every single day and you wouldn't know it. Do you think people like around you would know that you're different? Because if they're also becoming a different person. No, no, you are that. It's, it's almost unfalsifiable, right? If you wake up as that other person because your consciousness jumped bodies, um, oh, you're saying you would retain some earlier consciousness. No, if you consciousness became the consciousness of the other person, I don't see how you would ever know that. Well, I mean, so like I me... I think about that. Am I a different person every day? <laughs> well, I think if I go... To... So me, Carl, and Samnap, we all go to sleep and wake up. We still all three know each other as each other. But if we were changing person, wouldn't we not know each other? Or be like, or like realize differences yeah, in each other? if you retained your consciousness, right, you wouldn't... You... You wouldn't know each other. That's correct. So maybe the, the, the very construct is pointless to even entertain it. Because if I wake up as you and I am you, that's the same thing as you waking up as you. Oh, like, you mean we even switch almost like switch spot. bodies with someone, not that we become an, a new Yeah, person. yeah. Everything is switched out. Oh, right? I see. Right? So, But I don't think we know enough about consciousness to, uh, yeah, maybe we could rule that out. I don't know. But... One thing is true, the people who hope that in a multiverse, that there's a version of themselves and could they achieve eternal life because they have an infinite number of multiverses, which means every 
every combination of particles and outcomes is realized, including one we're, where we're having this exact conversation, except where you know you're from the dark side or something, you know, and you're you know you have a Death Star that you're building out in the in the yeah, the, that's the a lobby. different one. But to be clear, I'm not working on a Death Star. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just to be clear, so, different. So, but in that scenario, you. Uh, I'm quite sure you'll just be a completely different person, even if all your molecules are identical, because we've already done that experiment. They call twins. Twins have identical DNA. Every chromosome, everything is the same. Yet they are different people, completely different people. So if I duplicate you precisely, that's not you. You made another person. I'm still here. Hmm. Living my life, gaining my own life experiences, meeting people that you're not because you're over there. The people want to upload themselves into a computer and hmm. the computer's sitting on a desk. Fine, do it. But I'm going to the Bahamas tomorrow and, and that's going to be a memory <laughs> that that computer won't have. This is like blowing my mind. There's a lot going on. What, what, are, what are your thoughts on like, the, like there being a, like a multiverse, an infinite number of universes and, and like, do you think that's like likely or? Well, it's, it's the, the, our emergent theoretical understandings of quantum physics and relativity give us multiverse multiverses for free all right this was not oh let's figure out a way to make a multiverse we follow the equations and what they give us and they give us a multiverse and multiverse would be the family of universes of which there might be infinite so yeah it's so it's not a matter whether i believe in it it's a matter of yeah that's intriguing calculations based on theories of the universe that are well-tested, quantum physics and general relativity. So if they're extensions of those two highly successful theories, we got to give it serious attention. I wouldn't want to visit those other universes because they could have slightly different laws of physics. And the entire molecular structure of your body could collapse into a pile of goo because the force on the electron is different in that universe than it is in this. So I would be very cautious. You have the opportunity to visit another universe, don't take it. Really? You, if, if you had the opportunity, you were the sole person that had the opportunity to go to another universe, you wouldn't take it? No, I would, I, no, I, I would do some tests beforehand. So I would say, okay. all right, let me bring... Yeah, you, could, you could test it. You could send items and... Yeah, send items and see if they come then, back intact. If they do, then, send I'll, sap then I'll, I'll, I'll feel good about it. Right. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, let's talk about uh, your, your book, Starry Messenger, Cosmic Perspectives on Civilization. Um, do you want to get into like a little for people that don't know uh, what what is like the elevator pitch for that? Yeah, so it was uh, the book has been gestating within me for decades, mm. right? As early as early middle school, I was my I was becoming scientifically literate, and you know, so there I am, thirteen years old. I say, oh, this is how the world works. That's cool, and I'm reading books on this, and I, and then I saw grownups, like full grown adults say things and do things. I said, what? Don't you know? No, what? What? When I was a kid, there was a comet that was coming around and we discovered it very far away. So the public didn't, couldn't see it yet, but we knew about it. But it was big news, new comet discovered. And I'm in the street and there's a, a full grown up human being holding a, a sign saying, repent, the comet is coming. The end of the world is near. I said, no, it's not. No, you're grown up. Don't you? Okay. okay. And so, so realizing that adults, especially those in power over other people's lives with laws and legislation, that they lack 
many lack a level of science literacy that needs to be corrected. Otherwise, we will, we, it is the beginning of the unraveling of an informed democracy. So this book, Cosmic Perspectives on Civilization, is what the world looks like if you're scientifically literate. Yeah, and I gotta call out things that people are doing that makes no sense. There are chapters in there, one of them is, is uh, a, a gender and identity, a color and race, law and order, risk and reward, truth and beauty, um, life and death. These are topics that we argue about in this world, okay? And especially in the, and, and, and so I go into those subjects, but with a scientific lens. And then you see things, uh, really, I did that for that reason? Oh my gosh, I'm a little ashamed or embarrassed or thanks for letting me know. Mm-hmm. I'll give a fast example, if I may. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, by the, one of the chapters is meat eaters and vegetarians. Yeah, okay. I went there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. You got, you're, you're talking to a bunch of meat eaters over here. Okay, so these are good. warring factions, right, throughout the world. And by the way, if, you're, if anyone is going to buy this book and read it, you should do so before Thanksgiving dinner. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> That's oh, all no. the crazy relatives. You, you can be prepared. And... Yeah, then you're, you're ready for the argument. <laughs> yeah, then you're, you're going to be so prepared. You're going to be like, I'm ready for all of y'all. The crazy aunt, <laughs> the, the weird uncle, the flat earther, the crystal healer. You're going to be ready for everybody. Um, That's awesome. So just a quick thing. It, it, it encourages you to look at not so much both sides of an argument, Mm-hmm. but all sides of an argument. Because maybe it's not so binary. It, are you with me or are you against me? Is it black or is it white? Are you a boy or are you a girl? Are you this or are you that? And it's like, people, the, the, the universe exists on spectra, okay? Mm-hmm. I don't look at the universe, is the star hot or cold? You know, is it near or far? <laughs> <laughs> we have ways of thinking about and organizing information to reflect the spectrum on which it occurs. Mm. And people so often want to force the variation of what's out there into their limited capacity to think about it in that way. So a, a really, so an example, let's say you're a vegetarian and you just don't want to kill animals. You, you, you like animals, you don't want to, and so you have a humane mousetrap in your basement. You don't, want to, you don't want to snap the neck of the mouse, that's bad, because you're killing it. Okay, so you trap the mouse, and then you set it loose into the wild. And you feel good about yourself. Why wouldn't you? You yeah. saved the life of a mouse. But did you really? Because oh, no. in the wild, <laughs> the life expectancy of a mouse is between 9 and 18 months because they're swallowed whole by owls who have perfect night vision. They're, 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 they're packed <laughs> apart by crows. All manner of woodland predators exist to eat that mouse. So the safest thing you could have done with a mouse is just leave it in your basement <laughs> and it would live up to years in your basement but you're not doing that so do you really care about the life of the mouse or is there some kind of virtue signaling you're doing with others who 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 want to protect animal life and so so I, i'm not here to tell you to stop not wanting to kill animals but if, you, if you're saving animals, let the saving of them not be dooming them to an early death, if in fact you care about animals. And I don't know if you knew this about tuna. Do you, oh, if, I don't know if you, you buy two cans of tuna. I um, love tuna. The big selling point now is that they're line caught. Do you know why? Why? Because before they were line caught, in the old days, they were net caught. If mm. you net catch tuna, 
you, chances are you're going to accidentally catch a dolphin. And dolphins are air breathers. If you're caught in a net, you can't come up and breathe air and you suffocate and die. So people say, we can't have net caught tuna because we can't kill the, the dolphin. It kills dolphins. Okay, so then I just think that through. What about the tuna? I <laughs> 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 care about dolphins, what, but not the tuna. What about the tuna? <laughs> okay. <laughs> dolphins are cute. Lobby to protect tuna. My argument, my argument would be: I've never eaten a spicy dolphin roll. Okay, so <laughs> the real answer is: you only want to protect animals that are cute. Oh, okay. <laughs> there it is. That's when the morals matter. Okay. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's your cute morality. There you go. So, or you say the dolphin has a big brain. Okay. So you like big brains. You know how the biggest brains on earth relative to their body weight are ants. There's a branch oh. of ants where their brain is 15% of their body weight. And you already knew that looking at an ant, right? The whole front section of an ant is its head, right? Yeah. You know this. <laughs> I have a pretty close ratio, brain to body. <laughs> no, 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 no. So you've been you've been mistaught. So we were taught in school that no, we don't have the biggest brains, but we have the biggest brain to body weight ratio. Okay, that feels a little like we're jumping through hoops there to put us yeah. at the top of some list. However, what they didn't tell you is we have the big, biggest brain to body weight ratio of mammals. Not it feels like a lot animal. of a lot of add-ons to make sure that we're at the yeah. top. Exactly. <laughs> Just, well, well, this or that or that or that. Now we're at the top of that list. There you go. Yeah, we're the, we're the biggest brained animals that start with the letter H and end <laughs> with human. The vertebrate and anyway, right. So so um, by the way, on that scale, mice come very close to us in brain to body weight ratio. That's first. Second, yeah, but those nerds die within nine to eight months. Within <laughs> nine to eighteen months. months. So, <laughs> so, with bigger brain to body weight ratios are mid-sized birds, so crows, hawks, um, uh, even uh, parakeets, but uh, uh, bird size like magpie. So you know, like a bird that might be, you know, eight inches tall or a foot mm. tall. So those birds have a higher brain to body weight ratio than we do. And the ants that I told you about is, are even higher. Hmm. So if aliens were coming looking for, for brains, we would not really be in their priority list. They just want absolute big brains, they'll go to the whale or the, or the elephant. Or, and if they want ratio, then they would go ants first, then <laughs> the birds, then the mice, and then maybe humans. Oh, man. So these are cosmic perspectives, right? So if you're going to formulate an argument and you want to fight someone using your argument, try to have thought it through a little more deeply. That's a very valid point. And, and you have people that are basically species bigots is what they are, okay? <laughs> they're saying, well, I, uh, I don't want to kill animals because they're sentient, so I'm going to kill plants. And then, okay, well, how about trees? You live in a house made of wood, right? All right, those trees produced oxygen and say this to the person who's saving the mouse you'd say the tree that your house is made of with the floorboards and the two by fours and the st structural beams they it's made of like 50 trees each one produced 15 times the mass of that mouse in oxygen every day each tree <laughs> and each tree is home to birds and insects and and fungus and squirrels who do you think nature cares more about but you'll say, oh, well, the tree doesn't suffer from pain the way a mouse would. Or I'd say, if you cut a tree, does it not bleed? 
If you cloak a tree, does it not suffocate? If you cut off its nutrients, does it not wither and die? And then people say, well, the, the beating heart is the real symbol of life here. Blah, blah, blah. And a tree doesn't have a beating heart. By the way, a tree moves nutrients from its root system to the tippy topmost leaf. And you know that because you cut off the root system, those leaves wither. So it has a circulation system, not because it wants a heart and doesn't have one. It has a circulation system in spite of not having a heart because it doesn't need one. It's better than us. And practically every tree that's out there will outlive you. And you go to the Pacific Northwest, the trees live a thousand years. Oh, but it doesn't have a heart. So I'm going to cut it down and make a table out of it, but I'm going to protect a mouse that'll be eaten uh, one year later. <laughs> right? So our arguments don't tend to be fully thought through. Yeah. And so this book is a celebration of arguments that, of, of how to look at your arguments, and it may just dismantle or evaporate right in front of your eyes. That's awesome. Okay. Well, everybody, hey, listen, before we go any further, then everybody needs to get, uh, it's called Starry Messenger, Cosmic Perspectives on Civilization by Neil deGrasse Tyson. You're looking and and at another him. quick one, our brain is so limited because we, we want to compartmentalize things, right? Are you with me? Or are you against me? All right. How about the middle of that? Can we have a conversation about that? Is that possible? Really? Okay. It's not possible? No? All right. Are you a boy or are you a girl? All right. Well, we know. We know, if not from ourselves, from people we grew up with, that there were effeminate boys and there were sort of uh, boyish girls. We have, they're called tomboys, right? We knew there were people who expressed on a spectrum. We knew this all along. Joan of Arc burned at the stake. They try to find ways to kill her, and they couldn't say because she wasn't religious, because this is what religion this this person was religious, okay? Mm -hmm. And one of the major indictments against her was cross-dressing. Cross-dressing. Yeah. There's a line in the Bible, Deuteronomy, that says, if a woman donned the clothes of a man, this is an abomination unto the Lord thy God. They went to that phrase, said, this is, this is punishable by death, and they burned her at the stake. Joan of Arc. No, is she going to ride side saddle with a skirt leading uh, soldiers into battle? No. Okay. Of course, she's going to put on men's clothing to do that. All right. So, so you look throughout history of people cross-dressing for whatever purposes and whatever reason. Mulan dressed like a man, all right, to, to, so that she could fight. This, so... So to deny that spectrum among the known expressions of our species is to impart your own inability to think on a spectrum on the freedom of others. And in, in the United States, well, I've, somewhere I read, uh, what was it? It was, oh, freedom, uh, 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 pursuit of happiness. Yes, one of our founding principles, provided it doesn't take away from anyone else's. So... All of this is in there. Oh, that was that was in the gender uh, and identity chapter. That little example, okay. but with the with the mouse and the thing, what that was in the uh, meat eaters and vegetarians chapter. That, <laughs> each of these are just <laughs> examples. Each chapter has that's going to be my favorite chapter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got one for you. I got one for you. This is this is like crazy, maybe even mind blowing. Uh, I throw in aliens that observe us, you know, just so they can to to see. Because they have no preconceived notions. So they'll just be very honest about what they say. Mm -hmm. So I imagine two aliens visiting Earth who are plant-based. 
right? So they undergo photosynthesis. There are no restaurants in their hometown because they just lay out under the sun and that's, they get all their nutrients. So they take this trip to Earth with, with lamps so they can just live off the lamps. And so there they are, and they heard that we had this great vegetation. They're plant-based. So they wanted to see the rainforest and all these things. And, and, and on their, it's on their tour guide. So then they visit, and then they find out that a branch of humans specializes in eating plants. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and they'll say, what? Wait, those, are my, those are our people. Those are our, our brethren. <laughs> they eat the plants. Not only that, they specialize in the reproductive organs of the plants. They eat the nuts, the berries, the flowers, <laughs> the fruits. The plant's just trying to make another version of itself, and they're specially grabbing that out and eating them. And if you go to Whole Foods and you look at the produce aisle, there's no end of infanticide going on. Because what are people doing? They're buying baby carrots, baby spinach, <laughs> baby artichokes, baby arugula. Ba everything is baby. Not and the so arugula. <laughs> That's what the aliens. Uh, so the aliens <laughs> just completely freak out, and then they escape and they go home. And they, so there's no sign of intelligent life on Earth. <laughs> I had a question about like aliens visiting Earth, and I, I've always thought like, oh, like if aliens visit Earth, we're just subject to whatever they want to do because if they can travel to Earth and get here from wherever planet they're from, they're going to be so much more like technologically advanced. True that. that yes. It just doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Um. I was curious on your thoughts of if aliens came here, like, what's a likely, like, scenario of what, what they're going to, are they going to be, like, friendly with us? Or are they just going to, like, use us? Are they just going to, like, take all of our resources and dip? Like, what, what are your thoughts on that? So I once heard a radio play in a long car ride where there were aliens that thrived on hydrogen. And they all came to Earth and to try to suck our water supplies dry because we know water is H2O. And so this was a devastating to earthlings that aliens were doing this. So that was written by a highly scientifically illiterate author because nine out of 10 of all atoms in the universe are hydrogen atoms. <laughs> they wouldn't have to come to earth <laughs> to speck to suck our water <laughs> supplies dry. All right, so uh, when thinking about aliens, you have to ask, how much are we layering on top of them versus what they might actually be? Other than the movie E.T., I don't know an alien movie where the aliens were not violent and evil. We don't know mm -hmm. that they're violent and evil. We're just presuming that. So, but wait a minute. But wait. We, maybe, it's not that, it, what, maybe what we think aliens will do to us it's not based on that. It's based on what we know we would do to each other. The history of human civilization where a more advanced culture encounters one that's less advanced, technologically advanced, it has never boded well for the less advanced culture. They've been enslaved. They've been incarcerated, you know, um, prisoned, killed, uh, uh, concentration camps. Uh, name it. It's been done our species to our own species. So it may be that these sci-fi films in, in, a, in a deep way are mirrors to our own conduct and our own behavior. And perhaps aliens would be way more friendly than we ever give them credit for being. If aliens come to us, because like you said, they, they have no reasons to come to us for resources. Um, so 
why would they come to us then in any scenario other than perhaps they have a sport of killing us or something? No, no, no. That's that's the, our ego at work. Okay. If probably the aliens are more advanced, they're probably way smarter than us, more technologically advanced. Why would they have any interest in us at all? You're walking down the street. You don't say, gee, I wonder what that worm is thinking. <laughs> Let me go try to talk to it. These are not your thoughts yeah. at all. So the, the hubris of us to say, we are so interesting that aliens are going to come and want to do rectal probes on us. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, or whatever the stories have been. Uh, the probe our gonads. Uh, what? Th this is really. Uh, you're not that special. Okay. What if the aliens yeah. actually aren't as smart as we're saying they are? What if they're just like similar intelligence to us, but they just happen to live elsewhere? But then they're also interested in us because we're kind of. Wait, smart wait. They too. built a spaceship and crossed the galaxy. They're smarter than us. What if they? We, we haven't what? left low Earth orbit in 50 years. They're not going to land in a spaceship. And and be and somehow be dumber than us. I, I can't picture that. <laughs> what if they just What if they just specialize in space travel, but they're kind of worse than us in other aspects? They're otherwise stupid. Yeah. Well, uh, there's a lot of overlap between weaponry and uh, and the ballistics of space travel. So uh, they could be really stupid, but have ray guns that will melt us in our tracks. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> okay, wait. Let me let me add a fun spin to this. Okay, uh, it's it's now a civilization that is so over the top, complex, and way beyond us that the alien that has now touched base in Earth um, is here for like a for the equivalent of a second grade science project, and they're here to learn about this this Earth and humans in this Earth. Okay. Okay, that'd and, be cute. Um, so yeah. Here but they, they wouldn't look like us. Most life on Earth with whom we have DNA in common does not look like us. Yeah. So we have DNA in common. We, you're 40% uh, DNA with a banana, by the mm. way. And you say, well, we don't look anything alike. Well, g uh, biochemically, you're 40% identical. All right? Yeah. The metabolism of sugars and this sort of thing. So, uh, or, or the, the, the formation of uh, how you... Uh, produce energy and how you draw energy from molecules, all right? So the, biology is not just what you look like and how many arms mm -hmm. you have. There's much more going on than that. Yeah. And uh, so, uh, so that'd be interesting. Just, so if they could uh, shapeshift and then look like us. I, well, I, let, I'm let, thinking... let, for the sake of it, let's even add this. They're coming for the science project. They've already done all the work for us. They know how to converse with us even. They've, they've learned it all. Who do they say, hey, can you guys just give me like, one person that I could just interview that to talk about humans? Who are you, who are you sending on the field? Oh, that's a good question. So, uh, you know, the earlier version of that is they land and say, take me to your leader. Mm -hmm. And like, would you, if that happened today, would you really take it to the White House? Like, would you really <laughs> do that? I just don't know. I, I don't know if I would. I'm, gonna I'm be thinking you better go down your Rolodex and find your nearest scientist. All right. That, <laughs> okay. That, that, that's, a, that's what I would do. Uh, so I'm, Okay, so they you figure out they learn how to talk to us. Yep. And and they want to know what humans are all about. Send okay. me one person. But then your question was what? Uh, who who would be the person that we would send if we you you would send? They're like, hey, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Oh, big I fan. would totally volunteer for that. Really? I would totally volunteer. Correct. Okay. But or That's or what, that, what I would do is George's I would pit. connect them with the president's <laughs> science advisor, who in recent years 
now has a cabinet level post. So we have a secretary of science now. Whoa. That person wields huge resources. Yeah. Uh, and in the sense that they know who the best biologists are, chemists, uh, engineers, and they would they would know best who to pair them up with. Otherwise, I keep the aliens myself. <laughs> Good point. Yeah, my pick my pick was Jack Black, but I think you'd be a better one. Yeah, we asked ourselves that question before this. I I said you. Um, Carl said Jack Black, and Sam Up, funny enough, said the president. So, <laughs> oh, of those three, I'd take me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Oh, something wrong with Jack Black? We all love Jack Black. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> we all we all we all love Jack Black. No. <laughs> Everybody loves Jack Black, so I figured the aliens would too. That was my pick. Uh, oh, um. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to tell you quick. I was on a, I was on an episode of I was on an episode of Joe Rogan. Yeah, and I did a lot of talking in that episode. Uh -huh. And people in the comment thread, people said, Neil. Next time, let Joe Rogan speak. Give him a chance. And I'm thinking, this guy's an MMA fighter. Do you think I have to grant him time to speak? <laughs> He'll take that time if he wants. If he wants it, the boy's going to take it. All right. Yeah. I, I'm not... I feel like, I don't know. The way I look at it, whenever we have people on, um, I feel like we have people on sometimes that we're already pretty close friends with. And then that just kind of feels like it's just continuing the conversation. But when it's people like you, it almost feels like, it's fun to interview it in a different perspective type. Okay, thing. yeah, I'm, so, I'm your servant, so keep going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so George, George, you had a question? Yeah, so I, I Googled you. It said you went to Harvard. And um, I was actually talking to a friend the other day about Harvard, and I was like, you have to be pretty smart to go to Harvard. And he said, no, you just have to kind of be hardworking and have connections. Um, do you think everyone at Harvard is smart, or do you think otherwise? <laughs> Uh, so, did that person themselves go to Harvard? Definitely not. So why did they <laughs> believe they understood who goes to Harvard? Oh, this is a question for him. I'm I'm not sure. I was arguing that people that I'm I was arguing people at Harvard got to be pretty smart. But um, I don't know. What do you think? So, so let's put let's quantify this. You ready? Um, of the. Uh, I, these numbers have changed since I last checked, but uh, Harvard might get somewhere around 10,000 applicants for uh, 1,600 slots in the mm -hmm. freshman class. Um, they will typically receive at least 2,000 applicants from valedictorians. Mm. Okay? So there are more valedictorians who apply to Harvard then there are slots in the entering class. Jesus. So if they wanted to, they could fill it with valedictorians, but they don't because, so my read of who Harvard admits is they admit people who they think will one day uh, do something important and famous and then make Harvard look better, uh -huh. no matter uh -huh. what that is. So for example, uh, on the floor, uh, was it freshman year or sophomore year, there was someone who in high school ran for representative in his state, okay? Was ever a state representative, whatever the age at 18 you can run for. He ran for it, and he got like 30% of the vote. Harvard took him in, in a heartbeat. They didn't care what his GPA was. If you're 18 and you think to do that, and you get 30% of an of a, of a electorate to vote for you, you have certain abilities that other people don't have, and Harvard wants that. Yeah. Mm. They value okay. that. Were you captain of your team? Harvard values that. 
because you not not because necessarily you're a better athlete, but that people respect who you are enough to give you that title. Yeah. All right. And so there are ways that there are things that Harvard values that are not simply academic, because in life, pure academic achievement is not really the deciding factor of things. It's are you socialized? Are you are are you empathetic? Do you are you are you moral? Do you have a, are you a good listener? Are you mm. do you have clever ideas? And none of that, these things don't always show up on an exam score. So uh, and yeah, by the way, if you're the son of a of a crown prince, uh, they might give you that give you an, a slot for that. Why? Because you're the freaking son of a crown prince, and the <laughs> prince has has influence. Okay, and so they the schools above all else, care about their own survival yeah. and their own, um, uh, their own place on the landscape of colleges and universities. So, so the way that Harvard looks at their alumni hoping to see like impact on the world from their alumni, yeah. yes. what do you hope to be like the world's takeaway from you as a person? I don't care. I don't, it's not how I, I don't live my life saying, I want to be remembered this way. I don't give a rat's ass who thinks of me or who remembers me. If I succeed as an educator, it's because I taught you something that you then took ownership of. Mm -hmm. And then you walk away and you say, this is why that's so. And then someone says, well, how come? Why is that saying? And then you'll explain it rather than say, this is true because Tyson said so. Mm -hmm. If that's your answer, I failed as an educator. I don't need to be remembered at all. But I do know what I want on my tombstone. Okay. Don't say... Be ashamed to die until you have scored some victory for humanity. Not be ashamed to die until you have been famous or, no, I don't care. Do you want a statue? No, no, I don't need, I don't want any of that. I don't care. I don't need to be remembered. I'll be dead. <laughs> good point. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> okay. Well, I think that's a, that's a good place to wrap then. Um, I really appreciate you. Thanks for putting your time aside for people that don't know he stayed eight minutes late for us so okay. <laughs> <laughs> i really appreciate you uh if you have anything that you want to just promote i guess the book once more or whatever you oh, want yeah, to no, talk just, about i'm saying i can't make people buy books particularly if you're not a big reader well actually there's an audio version of the book that i narrated that's, yeah that's what i i bought it i haven't listened to it yet but i'm excited <clears throat> yeah it's good for you know, you're stuck in traffic or you're, you're on the treadmill two places where you're otherwise doing nothing else Mm. where you can, you know, you can engage your brain. Uh, and so, so yeah. Uh, oh, so if, if you're going to ever think about doing it, do it, do it before Thanksgiving. Okay. I promise you, you're going to, you'll have a completely different outlook on all the arguments that people are having. I promise you. <laughs> all right. Well, I really appreciate you, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Thank you so much. Uh, but before we leave, there's just one more thing. What's that? 